all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. This is the program where we take your calls. That's right, we don't really have a theme on Wednesdays other than the themes that you bring to the program. That's what makes this a little bit different and special on Wednesdays is that you get to determine what we talk about and uh, we rely on you to call in. always encourage people to call in earlier because uh, we have a little bit more open time then I always hate to have to cut people off at the end of the program, at the end of the hour. Um, certainly, we want to um, give everybody a chance to uh, to voice what kind of questions they have about the health of themselves or their loved ones. So you can reach us this morning live at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. But if you're not able to call in this morning and want to email us, or perhaps it's a little bit longer uh, question or issue that you want to pose to us, you can always send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. I should say, if you uh, you know got a little bit of extra time this weekend, you're like, you know what, I want to go back and maybe touch base on a couple of things that I may have missed on Southern Remedy and other programs produced right here on MPB uh, Think Radio. You can always go to the websites uh, to uh, mpbonline.org and uh, look for um, for uh, past programs that have been archived there. And usually I think the lag is about a week. Is that about right, Kevin? He's giving me the nod. Yes. So that's about right to get everything just right to put on there. But if you miss something, you can always go back and listen to it there on mpbonline.org. Beautiful week. Had a little bit of rain last night. And uh, man, just the colors this year. I have been bragging on all of that to everybody just in other parts of the country. Like we really uh, hit it right this year. Certainly the the rain, I think, had a lot to do with that during the summertime and then a little bit of a drier spell for about a month, month and a half. And then when that cold weather hit, man, the trees are just showing out out there. Just uh, beautiful fall colors and uh, sort of typical Mississippi weather pattern. Got a little bit of that colder weather, but sort of nicer uh, right around Thanksgiving. One of the things I like about the South, in particular Mississippi, is that we do have this opportunity to dress a little bit like we're still in uh, fall in November. That's always a nice thing. Got people traveling today to other parts of the country, and certainly that's not the case in uh, in a lot of other places. So uh, be careful if you're traveling today and tomorrow, uh, certainly on the roads. Uh, that's where most of our, um, you know, most of our accidents happen, and unfortunately, fatalities. And certainly, if you're uh, if you're out and about with uh, in different parties and with different family members, and you are traveling, please remember: please do not drink and drive. Uh, have a designated person that uh, is going to drive you back, or hey, stay with your family one extra day and uh, and uh, enjoy a little bit of that holiday time. All right, we're going to go to Kent this morning. I think we're ready with Kent. I'm seeing. All right, let's go here. All right, good morning, Kent. Uh, good morning. Thank you for calling in. Uh, yes, uh, I, one of the problems I have been having is uh, is gas in my lower back, and it <clears throat> radiates down my leg. Now, when you say so, I know it sounds like you know what you're saying with the radiation. So people think, what the heck is going on there? Is it like solar radiation or the radiation? So radiate means that something starts in one point in the body and then it travels down to a different part of the body. And um, okay, so you gave some really good descriptors of that. So it feels like there's gas in the lower part of your back and then that goes down your leg. It radiates down your leg. Is that correct? 
That's correct. Okay. Does that is it the back side of the leg or is it more around the side of the leg? It's it's uh, the back side of the leg. Okay. And is this any worse with different activities like sitting for long periods of time or driving? Uh, more so if I if I uh, sometimes I do uh, different you know, electrical work or do different things. Uh-huh. And if I if I get down on the ground and once I try to get up, it it you know you it's kind of like. Uh, kind of have to scrape myself back up. Yeah. And once I start the moving, and then it, it seems to go away for a right then for a few, you know, yeah. after a few minutes. Ken, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Uh, 56. Okay. And if you had, it sounds like the, the work that you do involves a lot of getting up and getting down and moving stuff around. Is that right? All right. Okay. Uh, and no previous, um, um, like, injury to your back that you know of, like in a car wreck or anything like that? or. Oh, no. Okay, good. No. Um, so, Kent, this is a common type of complaint. Back pain is one of the most common things that we get in the office from uh, from people, and it tends to be in your 40s and 50s when it starts. It can be, you know, certainly later than that. Um, it is extremely common just because of overuse injuries because the back has a lot of mobility. You've got all those vertebral bodies. That's the, the spine is made up of these individual bones that help us move around and give us a lot of mobility so that we can bend over and grab things and pick things up. Uh, they have a lot of muscles and tendons that are around there that can get strained from time to time. And then, of course, the spinal cord runs down through a spinal canal, which is just a sort of a an open space uh, down those vertebral bodies. And then you have all these nerves that came come out, including the ones to the legs. Right. So it sounds like to me you're having a little bit of symptoms that might mean that you have something pressing on some of those nerves that go down to the leg. And oh, okay. So that may be why it feels like it's going down your leg. Now, that okay. could be, even though it feels like gas, it's probably mm-hmm. not because all the gas and stuff that you normally feel, uh, that, that's in the front part of your, of your you know, abdomen. So anything, okay. anything that you feel in the back is probably due to either the muscles or the spine. There are, um, you know, of course, there, there are these cushions that are called discs. Uh, that have a soft center to them, and sometimes that soft center can sort of protrude out. Um, But those are sort of the cushions between those vertebral bodies, and sometimes they can press on those nerves that go down to the leg. Now, what do you do about this? Well, uh, you know, you can take some medications. If it's something that just pops up every once in a while, you can just take something like Tylenol. Uh, ibuprofen is probably okay, although for certain individuals they have problems with it, like, you know, upsetting your stomach and even having some bleeding from your stomach with long-term use, and it can interfere with kidney function long-term. Uh, Tylenol is certainly fine. Sometimes uh, when you go to the physician, they'll give you some other things to help with to loosen those muscles up. I, I Sometimes I like to use, particularly if it's something that sort of comes and goes, a mild muscle relaxant. Um, okay. And, you know, particularly one that doesn't doesn't make you get sleepy. That's something you'd have to get over the, uh, at the physician's office rather than over the counter, though. Um, right. And then if it persists beyond about six weeks, I know that sounds like a long time, but if it's been there six weeks, it's interfering with what you're doing, that's the point in time that you probably need to get it looked at by somebody and even before then, physical therapy is wonderful, and it does a number of things. It helps to strengthen up those muscles to try to take a lot of the work off those vertebral bodies. It gets you moving more, and uh, it's one of the best things you can do to maintain your function and decrease the pain that you're having. So that's really important to, to get plugged in. People don't like it because, you know, they they <laughs> they put you through all kinds of things. It's worth it. It's like having a really intense coach for a while, and it can help you do what you need to do. They may recommend, particularly if your job does involve picking up things and bending over some special apparatus, like special things that you might can wear that can make it better. But, Kent, it's okay. probably not going to go away completely. Uh, it might. That's That would be great. But uh, getting a little bit of help like that with the, those things I mentioned is probably the first step. People ask about surgery all the time for uh, routine lower back problems. 
Uh, most of the time, surgery is not the best option. And most uh, back surgeons, whether that's a neurosurgeon or an orthopedic surgeon, they're going to tell you, you know what, that's that's probably not the thing we need to do right now. If you look at five years after the fact, you know, the people who have surgery and the people who don't, it's about the same at five years. So I tell people, particularly in their 50s, hey, I would do everything I could to not do that. The other thing people ask for is, do I need an X-ray or an MRI? Most of the time, the answer is no, uh, unless you have, you know, the answer was yes to some of those questions I ask up front, like, have you had a previous injury? Uh, if you have muscle weakness, those kinds of things, a doctor is going to be able to say, okay, let's tease out, you know, whether or not you need imaging. The problem with getting an MRI in everybody is that we all have, as we get older, lots of changes that may or may not line up with what's going on. So getting a good history like you gave, Kent, is probably the best thing. So that would be my advice. I'd I'd go see somebody, take some Tylenol, maybe a mild muscle relaxer, ask about physical therapy. Most of the time, six to eight weeks physical therapy, you should have some improvement. Okay, then. All right. Thank you. All right, Kent. Thank you for calling. Uh, We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go to Jesse and David and plenty of time for your calls. You can reach us this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this. Radio podcast. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. You've reached the program where you can call in with any kind of health care issue that uh, you have. doesn't have to be the thing that the last caller was uh, complaining about, but uh, certainly can uh, can reach us here live this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All right, we're going to go to Jesse from Brandon. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Um, yes. Uh, I have a uh, bulging disc uh, with generative stenosis between my L4 and 5. Uh-huh. And when I first had it diagnosed about, I want to say about 15 years ago, I had two sets of steroid injections and some physical therapy to follow up with that. And over the years, I've gotten uh, chiropractic therapy. But no matter what I seem to do, continued with the physical therapy, it seems to just not get better. I still have a, a continually worsening sciatica running down uh, the side of my right leg and going around the front area as well. And I'm just wondering what further treatments are really available to help deal with it. Yeah, Jesse, that, so you've done the things up front that we just talked about, you know, like physical therapy. And you said you've had some injections too. Did I hear you say that? Uh, correct. That yeah. was about 15 years ago when I had those. Done. Okay. And that may be something you can revisit, too. They've gotten a lot better with that in 15 years, and there's different things that they can inject with that are a little bit more potent. Uh, most of the time, they're steroid-based, so that's something that's going to decrease the inflammation around those nerves and help them to not hurt as much. 
but eventually, you know, you may have to, pain is really the thing that dictates a lot of, of when people say, OK, I'm willing to, to try surgery now. And if this has been going on 10 to 15 years, that may be your option at this point. Now, as opposed to what we had 15, 20 years ago with big open back surgeries, there are some smaller surgeries. And if it's just that one disc, you may be a candidate for that. So you may want to talk to an orthopedic or neurosurgeon that does minimally invasive back surgery. And these are some of the things that you see on, you know, sometimes around billboards and those kinds of things where it's just a smaller incision. And if it's just the disc, they may be able to you know, to to uh, to get uh, to remedy that problem with the disc. Now, it, there's no guarantee with that, of course, and you know there's going to be some things that you have to do afterwards. But it's a whole lot better recovery period with these minimally invasive surgeries. But the experts are going to be um, going to be the orthopedic surgeon or the neurosurgeon. Both of those specialties can sometimes you know specialize in that area, and usually that's what you find. Uh, talk to other people who've had it done by that particular surgeon. Ask that surgeon what their success rates are. Um, ask them what the recovery time is going to be. What are you going to be able to do and not do? Um, everybody's a little different, so your situation may be different from the next person. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Sure. Good luck to you. Yeah, that's a tough problem. Uh, once you get to that point of 10 to 15 years, you're still having problems. That really is, I mean, that's that's one of the options. And it's important to emphasize with people, with patients, that our, our goal is not totally taking away all the pain, just because that's a, most of the time that is an unrealistic goal if you've had back pain that long. The goal is functionality, like what are the things that you can do? And, you know, I've heard patients, when I ask that question in clinic, I'll say, you know, okay, tell me what are the things you would like to do that you can't do right now? And they'll say, I want to play with my grandchildren. I want to be able to uh, cook like I used to. I want to be able to uh, go out and uh, and walk. I want to be able to uh, play a little tennis. Uh, what are the things that that's important to them? And then that's really your main goals. Even if you're hurting a little bit, it's just, you know, be very careful and wary of of physicians or others that say we're going to take away all of your pain because that's just not the way we're put together. Um, pain is there for a reason. It's to tell us that something's wrong and it certainly protects us and to it's it's rare that you have zero pain. Um, you know, you may even, you know, in some, some cases you may have really good, um, outcomes like that. Uh, this is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can reach us this morning by calling one mpb ring That's one 672 We're going to go to David now at Horn Lake. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a hernia that, uh, I can actually push back in. And my question to you is, um, um, how dangerous is this? And with the hernia mesh lawsuit type deal, what would be the um, my options? David, is that hernia uh, getting a little personal here? Can you, is it the location like down in your groin, or is it up around your navel? That's about my groin. Okay. Yeah, so hernias are in different places. That's the reason I asked that. They're in different places. Most common place when people say they have a hernia is in the groin. Uh, those are weaknesses within the abdominal wall, and uh, more more common in males. They can be where things come normally come through that wall uh, developmentally, and the hole uh, that they go through doesn't close up appropriately behind it uh, and is a little bit weaker. Over time, uh, that hole can get bigger, and then what you have, you know, David mentioned being able to push things back in. What's What's pushing out is stuff like intestines uh, and the abdominal fat around that. So it's not coming all the way out through the skin, but certainly I know it sounds gross. And we got people that are getting nauseated right now in the booth. Uh, but uh, but basically, you know, pushing it back in is one of the things we do in the office, too, to see. We call that reducibility. Is it reducible? And um, that's a good sign, David, if you can do that. Well, uh, when I push it in, it actually, I can actually hear like a... 
It's whooshing noise. Yep. Sound. I can. I mean, I can hear it. Yep. Yep. That's those intestines and the stuff that's inside of them is as you push it back in, it's just moving through. Same way when somebody's stomach makes those noises, you know, if they're digesting food, same kind of thing. You're just pushing it around. The danger is if things get twisted up in there through that hole, and then you run into some problems. Uh, so if it gets to the point where you can't reduce it, we can't push it back in, that's a problem. Or if it gets really hard of what's you know protruding through or extreme pain, if you can't go to the bathroom anymore, if you're vomiting, those are all warning signs that you have an incarcerated hernia. That means stuff has gotten gotten stuck in that hole. Now, repair of these, you mentioned a couple of different, you know, concerns with the mesh. There are some problems with some of the products, mesh products that were made to close these. However, it's it's not all mesh necessarily, and you may be a candidate to not have that. It just sort of depends on uh, on the method that they use to do that. Um, there's old proce- older procedures. There's a McVeigh procedure, depending on how large that hernia is, that they make and do that did not involve uh, mesh, but um, I would get to a surgeon. This is a common thing. Uh, see what your options are. They may tell you, you know what, you can uh, depend on the size, and if it still looks okay and it's reducible, it's not causing you any problems. You may can go a little bit longer with it. It may not be uh, something that you necessarily have to I heard, get. I heard, excuse me, I to interrupt you. I heard they sometimes use cadaver skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's just another layer that they can use. Uh, in there, there's not there's a low there's there's not really a risk with that of getting anything. And people think, my goodness, that sounds medieval. Uh, but yeah, that's a uh, a more physiologic thing that they can use to close that hole, depending on again how large it is. But a lot of times they can they can close it up uh, without uh, without having to use things like that. But I, David, I, I'd see a surgeon if you haven't already. Get them to look at it. Doesn't mean you have to go to surgery, and just see what they say and what your options are. And if you tell them, "Hey, I'd really like to stay away from mesh," see what their answer is. They may say, "You know, this is the generally speaking, the larger it is, the more they're going to have to have something else to close that hole with, rather than just pulling it back together." Uh, certainly, things like uh, if you you know if you weigh more, if uh, weight loss can help, just because the the more the more fat we accumulate in our abdomen, uh, the more pressure is going to push those intestines out that hole because that's a weak point in the abdominal wall. So losing a little bit of weight sometimes if you are overweight or obese can help out uh, in, uh, in how much that's pushing out. Uh, well, honey, would that affect your, your sex life? Uh, you're talking about the repair? Well, I mean, having a hernia, would it? Uh, generally not uh you know it's uh, a lot of people it's just it depends on the size of it but uh it shouldn't it shouldn't affect that sexual dysfunction usually is not caused by that if it's the in the groin you know the normal place like an indirect hernia or a direct hernia usually that's not the case all right thank you so much all right david good luck to you yeah that's uh something that's uh common certainly in uh, in males females can get hernias too and you can get hernias in other places um again most people when they say hey i'm worried that i might have a hernia it's in the groin but you can have umbilical hernias these are more common in kids under the age of five so that's the umbilicus where the umbilical cord attaches or your belly button here in the south that's what we call it um that is a, a weakness there in that wall and you can have a little uh pocket that sort of uh, pokes out there, and they can be various sizes. Um, and uh, that's an easy one that the pediatric surgeon can close up uh, once that child gets to the the right age. Uh, interestingly enough, we have a lot of old wives' tales and things you can do to make that uh, go down uh, that don't necessarily work, uh, like putting a silver dollar on there, a half dollar. Can't find those much anymore, uh, or a quarter over it, depending on the size, and taping that to there and. Uh, I have seen some kids come in that have swallowed those from time to time, uh, so they don't really work. So don't uh, don't uh, mess around with that. Uh, but uh, get to uh, most of the time, your pediatrician can monitor that and sort of see what you need to do to get that followed up. But hernias can be in lots of different areas. There's other ones in the groin area, uh, femoral uh, hernias. Uh, there's also uh, there's a fancy word called a spigmalian hernia. 
Uh, I love saying that. that. That validates all of that medical training. But th- these are, again, where muscles come together, mostly in the abdominal wall. And then a hiatal hernia is the one uh, basically in your diaphragm. So uh, that's where your, um, your esophagus uh, goes through the diaphragm and attaches uh, to your to your stomach. There's some other uh, vessels that go through there too, like your aorta. Um, but um, certainly you can have those in those those places. All different surgeries. You can't really equate one with the other one though on on that kind of thing. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here live today, the day before Thanksgiving. Just uh, want to express how thankful we are for all of our listeners. And certainly this program is made great by your contributions to it, both with your calls and with your financial contributions. And uh, if you would like to express that thankfulness, you can go to mpbonline.org. And there's lots of opportunities to do that. But we are thankful for you and certainly uh I love uh, coming into the studio and uh, talking to you and maybe trying to point you in the right direction, give you a little bit of info that can help out. We're going to go to Wilma in Memphis. Good morning, Wilma. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Got a couple of questions about the aorta. All right, shoot. I've, I've been told that I have an area where it's thinning. Okay. And I've got a CT scan scheduled for next week. My question is, is that like, pre-aneurysm? It can be. So you can have what's, uh, there's several different types of aneurysms and they're typed according to where they are, like the location. And generally the, the aorta, for those who don't know, is the main artery that comes off of the heart and goes to the rest of the body. So it takes a turn to the left and then it goes down. Uh, so it makes this little arch. There are vessels that go up to the head and the upper extremities off that arch. And then it goes down to uh, through the, the chest cavity and then down into the abdominal cavity. And then it splits and has lots of different arteries that come off of it. So it's generally about two and a half centimeters or so. Um, now, the wall of that is made up of different tissues. It's made up of a thin lining layer called the intima. It's made up of the media, which is the muscular layer. Layer. Most people don't, you know, they don't think of arteries having a muscular layer, but they have to have that to contract. That's how you have blood pressure changes. Uh, and then it has an outer wall that's sort of a, a fibrous tissue. Now, you can have changes over time. The weaknesses in the wall of that to have aneurysms, and that an aneurysm just means that that aorta is getting bigger and bigger. The danger with that, the biggest danger is a rupture. So if it gets big enough and weak enough that it can rupture out, and that's a bad, bad deal, you have to get immediate medical attention uh, if you're going to survive that. Uh, But you can have things called pseudoaneurysms, and these are mainly weaknesses in the interior portion of that. So you can have little cavities that form. um, And if you think about the blood in the aorta like a river, you want that river to be nice and straight. Uh, so that there's not pooling of blood uh, that can form blood clots. The narrowing of those blood vessels, particularly the aorta, can cause problems downstream. And sometimes it can, uh, it can sort of, the, the little vessels that come off of it, uh, it can block those up too. So, Wilma, I, I'm guessing you either, this got picked up on an ultrasound or a CT scan? On an ultrasound, yeah, yeah. ultrasound. So that's the one of the best screening ways. It's quick, it's easy, it's cheap. It shows the the size of the vessel. It can show the individual components, like you said, the thinning of the wall. Most of the time, that's going to be just a surveillance where they say, "Hey, we want you back in three or six months. We're going to do this again." Um, now, well, the, what are the symptoms of an aneurysm? Extreme pain. Uh, now, where it's located is going to dictate where you have that pain. So if it's located in your chest where that uh, aneurysm is, uh, you're going to have chest pain. It People describe it as a ripping, tearing pain. Um, so if you get that, you should imme- you should not delay. You should immediately go. But if it's a mild uh, you know, thinning of the aorta, that's not necessarily something that you need to worry about. Um, now cardiologists have gotten extremely good about doing stents, not just in the heart, but other places in blood vessels, in arteries. And one of the things that they'll be monitoring for is, do you need to have a stent placed across that weakness? And, um, these are really great ways to avoid larger surgeries where they would go in and, 
you know, they'd have a large uh, incision where they'd have to um, cut and put a graft in there, put like a sort of a fake aorta tube uh, to sew to the aorta. This would be something like you'd go into the cath lab. They'd make a small incision in your wrist or your groin. They would insert this catheter into that vessel, and then they would place a stent there. And that should pre- help prevent you having those surgeries and prevent the aneurysm. And okay. a lot one of... More, go, one uh, more question. Sure, go ahead, Wilma. I'm on a blood thinner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, does that have any bearing on anything? So I'm guessing there's probably a reason that you're on that, either stroke-related or heart-related, right? Uh, b- blood clot in my femoral artery in my leg. Okay, yeah. So you need to be on that. Um, now, there's always, you know, people with aneurysms, and I'm I'm not sure, and I keep saying that, I'm not sure that you actually had that yet. Um, again, it's something that they need to keep an eye on with the ultrasound and maybe even the CT scan down the road. But uh, the blood thinners, do, you know, if you have an aneurysm, that, that's a much, <clears throat> that ruptures, that's a much higher risk. But if there's a reason to be on it and you've had a blood clot, particularly in the artery, you definitely want to be on that blood thinner. And that's probably a reason for them to repair this earlier rather than later. Okay. Okie doke. Thank you very much. All right, Wilma. Thank you for calling. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, plenty of time for your questions and comments. But we'll hit a couple of things in the news. The number to call this morning for a live answer to your questions is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 We'll be right back after this. Think Radio Podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB ring. That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here live with you the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, man, I hope y'all got some good plans uh, to be with family and friends and be thankful for what we have. There's a lot to be thankful about. Right now, I'm thankful for all these colors outside and the wonderful weather that we're having. Uh, I am headed back to work after this, this afternoon, but um, hopefully uh, I'm going to enjoy some time off in the next couple of days and a little extended weekend to uh, do just that, to spend some time with friends and families and probably eat entirely too much. Uh, I love turkey, so uh, this is a great time to eat some turkey. Uh, We're going to try our hand at the Stewart House with a smaller turkey and a duck. That's right, duck. That's what's for dinner. Um, But uh, we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, But I hope you're doing that, whatever your traditions are with your family. Tell the people that you love uh, and appreciate that uh, you're thankful for them. really goes a long way. We need a lot more of that. Uh, Seems like we've got a lot of negativity all the time in the news and around around us. Uh, Always great to hear that from uh, from other people. So if you're thankful for somebody or something, let them know about it. Um, They probably need to be hearing about it. This is in the news. Um, big study looking at over 3 million cancer survivors all the way back from the early 70s through 2016. And uh, the, the, as you know, uh, I hope everybody's aware of this, you know, cancer used to, if you threw out that term cancer, people would say, 
uh, oh my goodness. I mean, that was sort of a death sentence and we didn't have a whole lot of treatments for it. And I've been fortunate to see in my lifetime such an improvement in cancer treatment uh, and cures. Uh, it's amazing what we've been able to do over the last 40 or 50 years. Um, and because of that, we have cancer survivors that are living longer and longer. So they're living out the, the rest of their, their life. And uh, one of the things we want to do is to tease out in people who are living longer with chronic diseases or survivors, uh, cancer survivors, do they have any increased risk of other things? And one of the things that we're picking up on now is that they have an increased risk, uh, cancer survivors, of cardiovascular disease. And if you think about it in the way that cardiovascular disease develops over time, certainly any kind of inflammation we know now is a higher risk for that. Uh, autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis uh, can have a little bit of increased risk for uh, cardiovascular diseases. So in patients who have had those things, we want to be a little bit extra careful and have a little bit closer eye on them for cardiovascular uh, risk. So uh, some of the things that they noticed from this report, an increased age of cancer diagnosis, so if you diagnose with cancer at a, an older age, uh, carried a little bit increased risk for death from cardiovascular disease. Uh, a younger cancer survivor, the younger that they're diagnosed, the higher the risk of, of heart disease. And for those survivors who were diagnosed before the age of 55 uh, years of age, it's about a tenfold higher risk than the general population. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to die of, of cardiovascular disease. That's one of the leading causes of death right now uh, in men and women. Uh, but it does mean that your physicians uh, need to be, and your team of, of healthcare providers needs to be uh, looking at those increased risk factors. And perhaps, you know, there's some things to help. Uh, reduce that risk, like changing some lifestyle, uh, modifiable lifestyle factors like exercise and what you eat. Uh, and certainly there are great medications to reduce that too. We've got lots of different calculators that can uh, calculate your risk over the next 10 years of your life to help see if we can do that. So think about that. If you're a cancer survivor, first of all, congratulations. And I know you're, uh, that's something to be thankful for. Uh, but also uh, talk to your physician about maybe some other things that you need to be doing uh, for cancer, uh, for cardiovascular disease surveillance. All right, let's go to Frank and Brandon. Good morning, Frank. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, you're live on the air right now with Dr. Jimmy. What can I do for you? I just wanted to comment on about the aneurysm thing you were talking about earlier. Yeah. My brother had one in his brain, and, of course, he also had high blood pressure but did not know that. So one day it just burst from the high blood pressure, and boom, he was dead. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah, and that's no warning. There was no nothing. Yeah, and that is a that's that's one of those things about hypertension. It's uh, you know that we there's no symptoms, Jimmy. Right. So so most people think, uh, hey, uh, Frank, is, do you have your radio on? If so, can you turn that down? Because we're getting some uh, echo here on the on I our end. Turned it off. Perfect. Yeah. So, Frank, you bring up a couple of, of really good points. Number one, uh, hypertension is called a silent killer for a reason. We don't have a whole yeah. lot of symptoms for it. Yeah. And that's why you need to get screened for it. You need to have somebody. We told him that. We yep. told him that. He died at 39. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. High blood pressure runs in the family, but he did, he felt like he was invulnerable, and he, he was in pretty good physical shape, but you yeah. can't do anything about that. That won't help you. Right. You still need to, to have good muscles won't help. You still need to know. And right. Yeah, and that's unfortunately that's one of those more serious risk factors of of having that. So, for sure. uh, um, but uh, Frank, I, thanks for bringing that up. That's certain certainly another reason to get screened for uh, for hypertension. So we appreciate your call and uh, hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, that's um, screening for hypertension should happen very early. We do that in, in kids now. Um, and uh, people say you have high blood pressure as a kid. You can. And there's lots of risk factors that go along with that, like obesity and certainly inactivity and what you eat. Uh, Grandma knew what she was saying when she said you are what you eat. It certainly can affect you over time. Let's go to Curtis in Picayune. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning. How you doing, sir? Good. Thank you for calling. I have this condition. I don't understand it. Sometimes, and it, it pops up month by month or 
even three or four months, I could be doing great, and all of a sudden, I have a muscle spasm and just pop up. I can cough a little bit, or I might move the wrong way, and it'll just pop up, and it'll stay there until I massage myself until it finally go away. And I, I'm not understanding why they do that. What, what, what causes that? Right. So, Curtis, uh, is it all over, or is it just one place where you normally feel it's that? It's going to be in one place. Sometimes it's in my muscles, my legs, or my thighs, or sometimes it's in my chest, around my chest. Okay. And does that uh, does it occur more when you're uh, actively doing something, or is it when you're asleep, or is there any kind of rhyme or reason to it? Sometimes I can be sleeping. I can move the wrong way. It's so aggravating that I have to get up and massage myself. Yeah, okay. Just sit on side of the bed and just massage, and then it'll eventually go away. Curtis, are you, are you taking any medications on a routine basis? Other than a blood pressure pill and, and uh, a pill for my acid reflex. Okay. Yeah, so a couple of things come to mind. So um, muscle spasms, a lot of people have these recurrently. Muscles contract normally uh, by manipulating different uh, different ions, we call them. So basically there's calcium, there's potassium, there's sodium. And if you get a little bit different concentrations of those, that can cause a muscle spasm. So a spasm is that muscle is involuntary. You're not making it do it, so it's just sort of quivering right there. Yeah. And it can be painful. Uh, it can be annoying. Um and uh, the most common is just overuse, and you'll see this mostly in your face. So if you've you know been been doing a lot of things or talking a lot, I get this a lot around my eyes a lot, uh, my eyelids. Uh, they'll sort of spasm at times, and that's just that's muscle fatigue over time. But there are a I couple. I have that too. Yeah, so yeah. My face will go to hurt. Yeah. Drink the water, and it'll go away. Yeah, yeah. And dehydration, I was going to mention that. So dehydration is one of those things if you're not drinking enough water, uh, again, because that sort of affects how those muscles normally contract. So staying hydrated is probably the best advice you can get, and water is the best way. Um, If you're on a blood pressure medication, and this is only a small subset of patients, but um, it might be that your potassium might be a little on the lower side. Uh, potassium is one of those things as it gets lower, you can have muscle weakness, but you can also have some spasm sometimes or cramping. Um, so that may be something that yeah, you, I, I, I had a, I had a real bad episode one time at a friend's house and my, both my legs that went muscle spasm and I just, I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. It thought they had to call the ambulance and I said, no, it'll go away. It'll go away. It'll go away. And by 15 minutes, it finally went away. I got up and got in my truck and went on home. Huh. It was it was terrible. Had they checked your, like, your electrolytes when you go to the doctor for the high blood pressure follow-up? I'm sure they have, but have they, have they done no, that? I, I, I'm, I'm going through one now, uh, some, some uh, tests, uh, uh, a physical. Yeah. Well, make sure you tell them about the, the muscle spasms because they'll probably want to check some of those electrolytes. Magnesium is another one that when it gets low, okay. you can have that. Um, but, uh, and they may even, you know, if that's a problem, they may need to change around your, your blood pressure regimen a little bit. If it's still happening after that, there are some, some muscle disorders that can develop later in life, um, that can cause some problems. So a neurologist might be, you know, a doctor that specializes in nerves or a neuromuscular Mm -hmm. Uh, physician, but your main doctor should be able to plug you in with them if they if if they feel like you need to. But I think the first step is just telling them about that so they can get some of that lab work and make sure it's not one of those other things we we talked about. Okay, then, doctor. All right, Curtis, you have a good uh, Thanksgiving. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, thanks for calling. All right, we're going to take another break. We've got about uh, eight more minutes left in the program. If you want to call in, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you this morning. And I've been talking a lot about a lot of good things. I love those calls. Uh, still got some time to uh, squeeze a few more in. We're going to go to Joe, who's way down in Fairhope. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Great. Uh, I uh, I have a question about a condition that I was told that I have. I had an umbilical, small umbilical hernia repaired, oh, about a year ago. And while I was there, I said to the doctor, hey, Whenever I do a sit-up or exercise, I look down and my stomach seems to be tented. And he said, yes, you have a condition called diastasis recti. Yep. And I wanted to know, uh, is it serious? Can it be repaired? He indicated that the repair would not do much from a surgical standpoint, and I wasn't interested in doing that either. But are there exercises, et cetera? So I'm interested in what you have to say. I sure. exercise a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. So diastasis recti is the most common condition that can cause that is pregnancy. So basically your six pack or eight pack or no pack, whatever you have going on, uh, that's made up of the of the rectus abdominalis muscles. So that's the front part of that six pack right in the middle. And you'll, you'll notice in most people, particularly bodybuilders, you can see this, they have that line where they come together and that that's just in the midline. Uh, and that can that those muscles can spread apart, so they can become sort of separate, and that's what you're seeing with the tinning. So when you increase the pressure in your abdominal contents, it's not the same of as the umbilical hernia because that's all the way through the abdominal wall. But even though you see that tent up, there's still enough structures there that's holding those intestines in, and there's not a risk of. Uh, an incarceration where they get stuck. So it's more a cosmetic problem. I mentioned pregnancy. That's the most common one because it has to spread apart for the abdominal wall to get bigger to accommodate the baby or babies. Um, but it comes back together after pregnancy most of the time. Now, Joe, uh, yeah, surgery doesn't tend to work. What the surgeons tell me is this: that it's not something that uh, you can get a good effect. They have to sort of stitch those muscles back together that can sort of tear apart over time and spread back apart. Uh, so uh, as far as the muscles to do, unfortunately, there's not any that cross that midline. So that's where they come together. So you would need something that crosses the midline. Uh, obesity or trying to cut down on how much that you have inside the abdomen is probably the best thing. So cutting back on calories and trying to lose a little weight if that's, you know, if that's an issue. If it's not, you may be stuck with that. Um, but again, it's not, it's not a big problem. It's not something you have to worry about in the same way you would in a hernia. Cool. I, I'm certainly not pregnant. <laughs> Didn't think you were, <laughs> number, Joe. <laughs> number two, I have gained some weight, but I've been I've been really active. I'm about six foot. I weigh about 195, and yeah, uh, I'm in decent shape. So I guess uh, I'm going to have to get small again. <laughs> yeah, that well, that may be it, or live with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> but most it most long, people. Long time. Yeah. Did Did you ever see the movie Aliens? Yes, <laughs> I had a patient that said, it, I think one's coming out of me because um, it's pretty and, and this one was pretty pronounced. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you can't do much for it. But you, at least you're not going to have the, you know, the problems that you have with uh, with a true hernia. OK. All right, Thanks Joe. Thank you for calling. All right. Let's go quickly to Peggy in Hattiesburg. Morning, Peggy. Good morning. How are you? Good. We got about uh, two minutes. Two minutes. OK. I've been having a little issues with my stomach. Uh, I'm 49 years old. I, I thought maybe be 
uh, something to uh, do with IBS. I talked to my doctor. Um, they seem to think that to get a um, colonoscopy done, I need to wait one more year. But the problem I'm having is when I eat something that's greasy or if, if I eat something, um, I don't know, I'm not always greasy, but anything, I constantly have gas and I'm using the bathroom like diarrhea, uh-huh. running. Yeah, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So that's a it's it won't cause any long term effects like things like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, but it can cause a lot of problems with going to the bathroom and yeah. you know just being able to do stuff. There are a couple of medications that have been used to treat that successfully. Um, ask your doctor about that. Levson is an old one, but there's some newer ones that you can take. Well, he told me he told me just to do some Imodium when I feel like I'm getting ready. But I don't want to keep making myself constipated. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, you need to you need to talk to him about some other, a couple other things or a GI specialist. A GI specialist would be able to steer you in the right direction. Most of the time, these medications in combination with trying to avoid some of those other foods, you do just fine with it, and they won't overshoot. You know, modium works, but like you said, you can get constipated if you if you you yeah. know. And I can't enjoy food anymore. It's just like I'm I'm constantly going. I'm afraid of eating. I don't really, really I really don't know what triggered it. You know, I do know. Right. I do know uh, the greasy food will. You know. Right. And exactly. And it's gonna be up all night long. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I would talk to them about getting a GI referral and that's a gastroenterologist. And, uh, okay. and, and a lot of people are familiar with, with some of those medications, but that would be your, your best bet. And they could, they could steer you in the right direction with those medications. Thank you so much, Doc. All right, Peggy. Thank you for calling. All right, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank everybody for calling. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.